Welcome to the Broken Sun. Hey there folks, before we get started, I want to make an important announcement. In order to defray the costs of running a podcast, we have opened up a Patreon. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash brokensunrpg. You'll see the link in the show notes. Uh, the main purpose of this is just to handle hosting fees, things like art, website hosting as well, and ideally we would like to start being able to pay for things like transcripts, and if we get to the point where we can upgrade our equipment, so much the better. And hey, you never know, shoot for the sky, maybe we can even get to the point where we have a little money left over to pay all of our players and performers, including myself, for all the work that they're doing here for free. So if you would like to support us for as little as $1 per month, you can go to patreon.com slash brokensunrpg and uh, just click become a patron. I'd like to take a minute to thank our first patron, Good King Hadrian. Thank you so much for believing in and supporting our show. Welcome, folks, to Spectres of a Broken Sun, the second season of the Broken Sun role-playing game podcast. You've just finished listening to Session Zero, and now it's time for us to move on to something a little bit different. Rather than jumping feet-first into our story, we are going to take some time to get to know each one of our three characters and then, from there, we'll move onwards. Those of you who followed me on my old YouTube channel, Y Caliber, may be familiar with Zero Acts, which we did in uh, a Japanese role-playing game we played, Double Cross. I liked the idea a lot, and is something I decided to port into this season of Spectres of a Broken Sun, so that we can have a little bit of time to spotlight each player's character before we see them in action together. And that gives us an idea of what each of their strengths and abilities are. Today, I am joined by Velvet, also known as OG Brown Sugar. Howdy, folks. I'm Velvet, uh, she, her. And you can find me elsewhere on the interwebs as OG Brown Sugar. And I will be playing Augustus, who is absolutely not the big baddie and totally your best friendo. I certainly hope so. And I'm Matt. I also go by ARP. I usually use he, him. And I am the showrunner or friendly guide here on the Broken Sun role-playing game podcast. So Augustus, as we recall, is a legitimate business person, correct? Absolutely. I'm so happy to hear that. I notice there's a legitimate ID here uh, amongst your items that seems to be permanently checked off. So that seems uh, perfectly logical to me. Now you are, let's see. Augustus, alias Puppeteer, uh, I'm sure that's nothing to worry about. Background from the Cult of Bacchanal. Tell us about Augustus and their dual life. For Augustus, it's much less of a dual life and more a change of heart. You know, I used to be a nasty, but after spending a lot of time with the downtrodden here in the station, I, I've just really come to sympathize with their plight 
and just dedicate myself to helping them out of it, or ease it as much as I can. It's so kind of you. Uh, I take it you use your prior position, or current ongoing position, uh, as a way to sort of grease the wheels for uh, your fellow members of the Resistance. I try to keep a steady hand on the rudder. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. That's what we hear wins the race. Now, speaking of the race, and all of the members of it, if we look at the factions sheet here, under corporate there are two different banking groups. One of them is the Caixian Group, originally from uh, mainland China. They're a wealth management collective. They do banking, hedge fund management, anything else people with money might need, legal or illegal, though all strictly, they will tell you, ethical. And we have the Joseph Grand ACM, Advanced Currency Management. They were best known as a world bank plagued by scandals and corruption back on Earth. Uh, even after it was bailed out multiple times by the USA government, it continued to scam its clients for the benefit of its investors for decades. They specialize in tax loopholes for the ultra-wealthy and boast that they regularly have a tax rate, an effective tax rate of negative 1%. Of those two institutions, which one do you think that Augustus does their legitimate banking with? I, I know on the surface it might look bad, but I, I do my banking with Joseph Grand AMC. I'm trying to change it from within. Well, you can hardly be blamed. They're the foremost bank, and of course they are American. Uh, and that's something that we can't overlook as part of our uh, patriotic duty here aboard the battle station. Cue the eagle. Let's make a note here. <laughs> now, your resistance cell, uh, the probable cause, is something that we'll get more into when we're in the main game. But they often lean on you to be a go-between for members of the resistance who are working from within, like you are, and members of the resistance who are part of the less privileged classes. That means that you, uh, Augustus, often have to move between those two worlds with as much stealth and skill as you can manage, right? Absolutely, but my version of stealth is more hiding in plain sight. I am sure that that works out perfectly well for you. Someone of Augustus's abilities would have no difficulty with that. Uh, today, we find Augustus in the middle of a business deal. What is Augustus purchasing for the resistance from a legitimate business? I'm currently trying to get the deed to a few edifices, which I'll be using to provide my, now some people of a more crude vernacular will refer to it as memory alteration, but really it's more of a memory opiate to help those on the station cope with the reality of our situation. A true kindness. So it's land that you're purchasing, or is it technology? Currently, it's the land. I need more space to be able to serve more people. Of course. So from whom are you attempting to purchase this? Is this from a military body or a corporate body, do you think? I think from a, from a military. They're, they're probably the most invested and keeping the, you know, box populate docile. Okay. Let's do a fortune roll. Just want to see how well your connections have helped you as we're starting in media res here. There should be an option for a fortune roll on your character sheet. Uh, roll fortune. There you go. Down below your influential friends. Oops. Here we go. 
Is it asking you for any options, or is it just going to do a roll there? Uh, it's asking for a number of dice, but it's none, so just submit. A four. Okay. So a four is a uh, mixed success, which isn't too bad. So we won't make it as bad as it could be, obviously. But it won't be an ideal situation you're in either. So who are you dealing with here? No, that would be very bad. So not them. Okay. I think you are dealing with Colrain PMC. Colrain PMC is a private uh, military contractor, most well-known for carrying out deniable atrocities back on Earth in the pay of the U.S. government. Uh, they're probably definitely doing the same thing now here in the battle station. Uh, they have a lot of leeway and a good amount of influence within the military faction, and they do own a good amount of property, not all of which they always need. So let's hop into the negotiations. Let me just grab a name here. Your point of contact, the person with whom you are meeting to finish up this transaction which you began, is named Leonidas Hensley. Leonidas Hensley is a, a mid-ranked individual uh, in Colerain PMC. Leonidas handles a lot of their business dealings, and in particular, a lot of their smaller holdings. Now, recently, as you learned before coming on to this job, you learned that uh, the PMC here has moved into some territory that they have taken away from some of their rivals in the Die Hard Battalion. The Die Hard Battalion is a criminal organization. They are military defectors. They're not really part of the resistance, but they're sort of fair-weather allies. They're just people who are sick of being in the military and can't handle that anymore. So they decided to go and get together uh, in hiding instead. So one of their forward bases has recently been, quote-unquote, liberated by Colerain. It's a, it was a nice, large territory, and they don't quite have enough cash to finish cleaning it up and, you know, disinfecting it and clearing away all the graffiti and propaganda posters and so on and so forth that they want to. So in order to get that money, they've been selling off some of their older territories that they don't need anymore, stuff closer to the hull, you know, uh, on the outer layers, not as desirable. And it's for one of these properties that you are negotiating with Leonidas. Now, Leonidas is a bit of a hard ass, but is also a good business person. So he's, uh, let's say he's he, him. Leonidas is not against working with criminal elements, but does not know that you are a criminal element. Allegedly. What's your cover story? Why have you told Leonidas that you need this territory? Or let's put this into character. Leonidas will say, Well, Augustus, uh, I can see that you're interested in purchasing this building from us, and uh, I'll be very happy to finish up the details, sign the paperwork, you know, get the, the, the money along the ways. I just, I, I can't quite remember. It's not in my paperwork here. You see him. You know, flipping through some papers. I, I can't quite recall exactly what it was that you needed this for. You already have uh, some fairly extensive holdings. Why this one out near the hall of all places? Well, Leonidas, I might say I'm so glad for your name. I It makes me happy that you share my affinity for the classics. See, I find myself in a place of turmoil and just outright disgust at the conditions that are friends in the lower echelons of the station have to endure. And I'm just seeking to expand my chain of clinics to provide these poor, unfortunate souls with a place they might find solace 
if only just for an hour or two. No, it's kind of you to give those layabouts that type of charity. I mean, if I were in their shoes, and of course I was, you know, in the in the years between my parents supporting me through college and the time that I got a job with the uh, Coal Rain Group here, you know, the, those two years of having to work at Starbucks were really difficult, and I. I do understand what it's like to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, thanks to that. And really, I feel that they need to do that too, but uh, it's kind of you. It's mighty kind of you to use your wealth and influence to enable them to reach towards a better life. I, I do find that uh, admirable, but uh, at the same time, I'm just not sure that the price you're asking for here is, is really a match for the, the quality. You know, we've been we've been keeping this place up for years, and... I feel like you're trying to undercut me a little bit here. Ah, sir, you wound me. I would never think of doing that, period. But I, even if I had such dastardly intentions, I can't imagine how I would get something like that past such a shrewd businessman as yourself. And being such a shrewd businessman, clearly you also understand that there is often more intangible value than the simple upkeep of a property. The Cold Rain Group is a legitimate and, dare I say, impressive organization. However, due to the nasty, nasty rumors of competitors and detractors, you don't have quite the sterling reputation amongst those we're trying to reach out to. But if these buildings in question were to have been donated or charitably discounted for the use in assisting those less fortunate than ourselves, I'm sure that together we could begin to turn around that unfortunate reputation that has been unjustly leveled at you. I think you want to roll at this point. What do you want to roll for this? It sounds like a sway, but I don't want to step on your toes if you've got a different idea here. Yeah, it's definitely sway. Okay. You are in a risky situation because if you anger them, then they're not going to sell to you. And if you slip up at all, or they catch on to any of the insinuations you might be making, then you could be in real danger with this faction if they start to get a inkling of what you're up to. So we'll say that your position is risky, and your effect here is standard. You want to get them to accept the price that you've offered. Uh, you've got, uh, let's see, two dice and sway. Oh, you already rolled it. Okay. I was going to you know, offer the usual. We've got devil's bargain, push yourself, and, and all that. But uh, we've got fours here. So again, lots of fours. Seems to be a favored number today. You've rolled four fours so far today. Getting the fours out of the way. In your two rolls. Yeah, got to get them out of the way. Okay. Let's see what would be a good result here. Types, lost opportunity, worst vision, harm. No. A complication, perhaps. I'm not complicated. He's complicated. <laughs> Leonidas is a complicated man. So you're in the sim right now, because this is where civilized business meetings would take place. So uh, why don't you tell us what Augustus looks like as they are sitting across from Leonidas here. Now Leonidas himself, he's, you know, he's, uh, he looks like a fit man. He's got a full head of hair, which uh, he may or may not have had back when he had a body, but uh, a full head of nice, properly blonde hair, uh, swept back, sort of middling length. Think of like a Tom Hiddleston as Loki style hair, but in blonde and, and pushed back there. Uh, he's got one piercing blue eye and the other one's covered in a plain black eye patch, which could be cosmetic for all we know. 
and uh, he's wearing the uniform of the Colerain PMC, which is what should it look like? I think it's uh, I think it's black, but uh, it's like a black tactical vest, uh, and underneath the black tactical vest, he is wearing like a button-up shirt, but the button-up shirt is in city camo, like that gray, uh, white and blue city camo look, the urban camo. So that's uh, that's their uniform. They've got the black tactical vest, the button-up shirt in the urban camo. He's not wearing a hat, uh, but he's got uh, also the urban camo slacks. Like they don't look like they are necessarily practical military pants. They look like dress slacks uh, that he's got uh, as pants. So it looks sort of like he's business casual, but with a military theme. So if you imagine somebody who is working in, uh, you know, working at a desk job in an office, a white collar job, except their whole deal was urban camo and a tactical vest on top of that. So that's what he's wearing. How about you? He's not even wearing the tactical turtleneck. I've already lost all respect for this man. <laughs> Augustus is fairly pale. They've got a pretty femme presentation, or at least like body shape, but their dressing aesthetic is like Dr. Frankenfurter, if he had been like a general. Mm-hmm. Like it's that like fancy military type getup with like a cape, but like <laughs> ridiculous bright red heels and a monocle. Very nice. Of course, a monocle. It couldn't go. Can't leave home without it. They've got white hair. And a very tiny top hat. Sort of perched on the side of their hat at a jaunty angle. Bingo. Perfect. Well, it's a fancy look. So Leonidas uh, listens to your speech and he frowns like his brows draw together. And he's like, hmm, I can't argue that our reputation is affecting morale to an extent. And sometimes we'd like to be able to do a little bit more recruiting from those ranks of the people on the station, you know, to fill out our ranks and maybe hold some more of this territory instead of selling it off. But, uh, all right, you've, you've got a point. This'll, this'll be good optics for Cole rain PMC. Uh, we could certainly use that help, but, uh, I don't know. You put me in a corner. What can I say? We, we do need the money for this. So I'm going to accept your offer. And he gestures and, uh, sort of a data pad appears from the ether. And uh, he scrawls something on it and turns it over to you. It's a simple contract of sale. I would like to read over the contract just to make sure. Okay. You read over the contract and it contains the terms of the agreement that you already made. It's got the price that you named. Everything appears to be in order. And it seems like this is just exactly what you agreed to. This is the deal you want. All right. If everything looks in order, I will sign. Okay. What's Augustus's signature like? It's a vague Hancock. Like, it's <laughs> it's showy enough that everyone knows it's theirs, but is not reminiscent at all to their name. So they have plausible deniability and could be like, yeah, but anyone could do that. That's not me. <laughs> That's fair. And perfectly fitting for Augustus. Okay. Uh, so Leonidas stands and offers a hand and says, can't say it's a pleasure doing business with you, but uh, business has concluded and we have accomplished a business, so good job, us. Go team. And I follow it with some very tiny golf claps. He sort of still has his hand extended towards you, and as you start clapping, he just slowly retracts it and shakes his head. Well, there's the door. I will sort of moonwalk out it and just 
very wa- vaguely wave my hand while saying, oh, this, this, this is your first step in turning your image completely around. I can see it now. The Augustus Center for people who can't happy well and want to learn to happy better provided by Coltrane PMZ. As you're uh, moving backwards through the door, he looks up and grunts, Coltrane. The door closes and... Uh... Does that take you out of the sim, or is Augustus going somewhere else in the sim at this point? I mean, if I've got the space, I probably would want to go inspect the space. Okay. So I am lowering your uh, your faction status with Coleraine PMC to negative one. They're not happy with this deal. They feel like you treated them poorly and that you insulted them in your business dealings. So that brings Coleraine down to negative one, which I've added into the faction sheet. That's the complication we got, but you did purchase this land. Now, is this uh, this is real-world land, right? In the physical space? Yes. Okay. So, popping out of the sim, where is Augustus's chassis? Where is Augustus's robot body? In their office. Is their office in, like, a nice area, a middling area, or out near the edge? Unfortunately, it's out near the edge. I, it would not be seemly if I was, like coming down from the ivory tower to help out a little bit here and there and then went back to the ivory tower so i'm Mm. I'm really really trying to walk a mile under moccasins (laughs) okay so you're heading over to your newly acquired land and uh it's like it's a small building it's like tall and narrow on this strata so it's like uh i don't know what am i comparing this to in my head like those new condos that they build where it's just like it's three bedrooms but it's stretched over four floors which is very narrow very tall lots of stairs uh ramps in this case and it looks like despite what leonidas told you they have not done much upkeep here there are electrical cables sort of sparking in corners some of the ramps are pretty bumpy and uh you know you can see rust and stains all over the place it's not a nice building. Um, you probably paid too much for this. How does Augustus feel about that? Augustus agrees, but they also feel like they pay too much for everything. So That's fair. Okay. Giving it a look over, uh, do you want to do like an inspection of the site, or are you going to leave that for someone else to do? What do you want to do while you're here? I'll inspect it myself in case I can find anything interesting. Okay. How do you want to do that? What kind of role do you want to make? I'll do a tune to see if I can find anything interesting okay you are in a controlled situation here and the effect will be standard so let's give that a shot and of course if you want to push yourself or anything else along those lines always got devil's bargains pushing yourself and there's no one here to assist you unfortunately okay we got ourselves a five which is a which is a success that's good you are looking through this space and aside from the issues with maintenance it shouldn't be too much work, certainly not work that you're going to do, to fix this space up. Like, it'll take time, but it will suit your purposes to an extent. But you do find two surveillance devices that are still clearly active in this space. And those are just the ones that you find. I am not disappointed. Okay. Are you going to do anything with these devices? No. I'm going to leave them be and hope that they, you know, lend legitimacy the project I proposed. Okay. So there's at least two to at least two surveillance devices in this tall narrow building. They're definitely transmitting. 
it's not entirely clear who to whom, but uh, that's something you could probably figure out later if you wish. But you've acquired this space. The business dealing is done. You probably should report back to the people you bought this for. Who are you brokering this deal for? Is it just for yourself or do you have backers that were helping you put up the money for this? I probably have backers. No, no, you know, this will be one of those memory things. This is my pet project. Okay. So with this completed, you do have one more thing on the docket today. Augustus needs to have a meeting with uh, the Junkyard Incorporated representative that they know. Junkyard Inc. is spare parts, usually low in quality, but always low in price. This is where most people get replacement parts when their chassis start to break down. You're supposed to get them from Exodev Advanced Armaments or Nimbus Heavy Aerospace or even just the logistics department from the military if you're a military person. But those are really expensive and most people can't afford the, you know, OEM replacement parts that they need. So they get what they can from the junkyard. Uh, The junkyard is also where you would find a friend of yours, well, quote-unquote friend, Chris Farley. Chris Farley works out of the junkyard. He's not the owner there, but he does work from their facilities. He commutes from his home in a van down by the river. Yes, a van down by the Data Superhighway River. Uh, What are you meeting Chris Farley for? I'm working on getting equipment to start MacGyvering more prototypes for the mentalopiate. I will come up with a better name soon. (laughs) Working title. We're workshopping it. It's a title in progress. Okay. Do you meet with Chris in the sim or in the real world? I would say the real. I feel like the real is uh, less likely to be snooped than the simulation. Is that accurate? Yes. Everything is likely to be snooped, but it's easier to snoop in the sim than in the real world. And especially in a place like the junkyard, you know they're probably taking care of privacy on their own. But the people who are snooping there are probably the junkyard themselves. All right. Tell us about Augustus's chassis as we make our way down to meet with uh, Chris. Spelled with a K, K K-R-I-S, Bar-Lee, legally distinct from any person uh, in the real world. Augustus's chassis is very sleek. It's definitely pretty advanced. And just for reference, it looks a little bit like in general shape to like Camille from League. Okay. Uh, The appendages do look like they could just turn into blades at any moment, but nobody has ever seen them turn into blades. Hmm. And the face like portion of the chassis has like that old, like, I don't know how to describe it, like iron mask feel to it, but like it's clearly a face. Right. So like a, a mask in the form of a face? Right, like it's got or like all the contours of a face. It's like an old like right. opera mask almost. Yeah, ah, basically okay. an opera mask. Okay, that's cool. So it uh two legs has it got? Like a bipedal form? Yes. Okay. So you're tap tap tapping along the way to the junkyard. Uh you are definitely noticeably out of place here. Like this out this close to the hull, most chassis are cobbled together, uh or cheaper models so you draw some looks from other chassis as you pass you can definitely see that there are people taking note of you making your way to this part of the world i will add that the chassis does look pretty creepy because it's very lithe very thin and it's got kind of impossibly long limbs it looks kind of like the other mother in her monster form from Coraline. oh lovely 
All right. Uh, you get down to the junkyard and the guard there, there's like gates at the front. This isn't an illegal operation necessarily. I mean, it, it operates with the at least tolerance of the military and the corporations here. But of course, it's like any black market. People from those areas come here to buy things occasionally. So they, they look the other way unless it's inconvenient for them to look the other way, in which case they do a raid or, you know, whatever. But there doesn't appear to be a raid going on today. Uh, the guard at the gate is someone that you don't recognize. They must be new or returning since before you were last here. And they say, hey, uh, what do you want then? Oh, I'm a frequent shopper. Are you new? And like the head just thrusts forward and like the eyelights kind of flicker. Uh, this machine, it looks kind of like one of those big green bins. Like it's a, a large flared like prism shape. It's got uh, three wheels at the bottom and a, a series of manipulators that come out of the side, some large, some small, and one large light on the front. And there's a circular speaker box below the large light on the front. So it looks like basically a big garbage can on wheels with arms sticking out of it. And there's a light and a speaker box, old school style underneath it. Um, it's a gonk droid that can talk. If you flip the gonk droid up on its side, it would be closer to that. It's like a tall prism shape. And they're saying like, oh, oi, oi. And they back off a little bit and flinch as your voice sounds. Easy now. You don't want me to call in the uh, call in the brute squad. Uh, frequent shopper. Right? Well, you know, give me your name. I'll see if it matches on the lists. Oh, my name is Augustus. Like render unto, but without the Caesar. They, the light blinks at you once, and then they look back down to their lists uh, on a sort of cracked screen in front of them in their little office. Augustus, Augustus, ah, uh, uh, there you are. Okay. Uh, if you got any weapons, you leave them out here. Otherwise, come on in. And there's a little tray that comes out in case you've got any weapons on you. I don't carry weapons on me. All right. A pacifist. The tray goes back in. Uh, you roll through a sensor. A weapon sensor. Does it detect anything? Nope. Perfect. You roll on through and down to meet Chris where uh, where he is down at his regular spot. Chris looks like, uh, again, sort of a... Chris has a very large mechanical body. Their chassis is like the size of maybe a car, but it's just box-shaped. So it's like a large rectangle on four wheels. And there are uh, arms on tracks on either side so the arms can go back and forth on these straight tracks and you know pick things up uh, they're humanish enough arms like they've each each arm has articulated hands on it so it can do fine work as well as lifting stuff up but the 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 arms and hands are in proportion to the large boxy body so it does kind of look like a van with arms uh chris's chassis and he looks at you and uh let's see he says ah augustus great to see you what brings you down to the junkyard today? Chris, my favorite purveyor of used goods. I'm doing some window shopping today. Well, I don't have a lot of windows here. <laughs> you know, there's not much air to let in without dying. Well, windows are a structural weakness, which is why I plan to walk away with something. What do you have today? Uh, let me see what I got. It depends what you're looking for. Let's see. One of uh, his arms rolls back and opens a sliding door in the side of his chassis and reaches inside and starts rummaging around. Uh, he starts pulling out different types of parts. Let's see, I got, a, I got an alternator here. It uh, doesn't 
you know, not perfect, but it, it runs. It, it gives power. Uh, let's see what else I got. I got a couple uh, springs for a suspension. Uh, you don't need that. You don't have wheels. Let's see here. Uh, what else? What is it that you're looking for? Anything that can be used to like cobble together some kind of neural interface or power sources. Okay. Let's do uh, a fortune roll to see what see if he's got what you're looking for. Okay. Uh, so you got a two and a six. A two. Okay. Getting those twos out of the way too. Yeah, I got to get them out of the way before we get into the big game. So Chris uh, continues pulling out things from uh, inside of himself uh, until he eventually gets to a small sphere, or at least it looks like it's mostly a sphere. It's got some indentations in it, and hands it over to you. Now this one, I think you'll be interested in this. Now, from what I can figure, this is, and uh, the van sort of style body leans towards you, like the whole thing. I was like, like going up on its suspension on one side, as if leaning in for a, a quiet chat there. I've heard that this is part of a memory unit from a mechanical chassis in the military. Ooh, do tell. Where did you find this? Ah, uh, you know, fell off the back of a truck, like a lot of these goods. I just happened to come across it through a mutual acquaintance. Well, not mutual with you, but mutual with me in the military. Ooh, you'll have to introduce me sometime. I can't give away all my secrets. Well, listen, if you want this, uh, I'll give it to you for a cred. Can I inspect the uh, like condition or try to attune to it to verify that it is that before purchasing? Let's see. Yeah, we can do an attune. This device is currently not powered, and it's not a familiar design to you. So I'm going to say you're in a controlled position. Actually, no, you're in a risky position if you're attuning with this. Uh, the effect will be limited. I'm glad that we're continuing on with our trend here. Uh, so that's a three. Kick your ball out of the way. Three is the highest roll here. Okay. So you take this memory device, and how do you attune with it? What are you doing to study it? Augustus in general, but the chassis especially, has a very unnerving stare. And I think I'll just stare right into whatever uh, Chris Farley sees out of while, like, running my hands eccentric mystic style, like a good six inches over the thing as they're holding it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. The closer your hands get to it, the more you can start to feel that there is there is a bit of a charge still left in there. Uh, there might be something. This might be something, but you're not entirely sure what it is. So you move your hand over it, you move your hand over it, you're doing your mystic style, and then all of a sudden, the mostly sphere rattles and then zips up into your right hand as if magnetized. And when it touches your skin, you get a sudden shock. And it hurts. Uh, you take a level one harm shocked here, unless you want to resist that, of course. I'll try to resist. Not that I think I have too much resistance. Uh, it'll be a prowess resist. You have, you have zero dice in prowess. But yeah, you're welcome to give it a try. Okay. okay. You got a four. So you take two stress. All right. Six minus high set. Yeah. So you take two stress on that. And the shock is absorbed by some of your redundant systems that you have built into your chassis just for this type of situation. And you very briefly hear, not even necessarily hear, you briefly feel uh, an emotion that you know is not your own as you touch this thing. So you're not entirely sure what it is, but there's something in here that can affect you. I'll take it. Okay. 
I guess, uh, take a cred out of your personal cash there. Like you start with two, or at least maybe you start with one. Well, anyways, take a cred out there. And yeah, you've got this weird sphere thing that has an emotion in it, as far as you can tell. Chris, uh, his hand jerks back as the sphere leaps into yours, but uh, seems happy enough to take your money. He says, all right, well, uh, have fun with that, boss. Don't do anything I wouldn't do with it. Ah, who am I kidding? Do I know Chris Farley to be someone who struggles with the robot life? Uh, everyone does, because it sucks to be in a robot body when you're a human mind. But uh, Chris does, as far as you can tell, well enough for himself that he's able to get enough sim time to stay on the right side of stable. He doesn't particularly enjoy being uh, a van with arms, as far as you know. All right, I don't have anything off for him at this point. I think I will take my leave. Oh, no, wait, before then, I will once again lean in very conspiratorially. I think that's a word. But it, it, in such a way, I'll elongate my frame so that my, like, wiry, puppety other mother somehow looks bigger than his van body. Mm-hmm. And I'll just whisper to them, you know, Chris, I don't know if I've brought it up before, but I've been working on this sort of project to help, you know, people ease the anxiety of living as a machine. So I would really appreciate it if the next time you find some of these memory field box doohickeys or neural interfaces that you let me have first dibs, I will more than absolutely make it worth your while. Uh, one of Chris's chassis eyes. He's got two, roughly where headlights would be. Flickers off and on in a wink. And he says, yeah, of course. Anything for my favorite client. I'll see what comes in. Perfect. You're my favorite store in the junkyard. Of course I am. The only one that's willing to put up with you. You do indeed turn around and see other of the clunky chassis in the junkyard giving you a bit of a stink eye. This fancy chassis out here in the junkyard. Who does? Who do they think they are? Is the general vibe around here. That's fair. I resent them, but that's fair. <laughs> and it takes some time to turn it around, I think. Okay. And we join Augustus back at... Where do you go? I think this is enough exposure. I may revisit my Round Dawn office with my collection of oddities. Wonderful. You're back in your office? Let's describe your collection of oddities. What kind of stuff do you have up? How is it displayed? It's definitely displayed as well as can be in these conditions with some like cracked and dirty glass cases and whatever shelves were most intact. Mm -hmm. As far as the oddities themselves, there anything that's kind of weird. Like there's definitely like fantasy bougie stuff, but then also just whatever's weird, you know, Mm -hmm. like whatever these memory boxes are, like kind of interesting mask chassis. Like you know how people collect like opera masks or tribal masks. Augustus could collects like interesting looking chassis that was discarded. Yeah, bits and bobs, odds and ends. Barely. Do they break into song? Yeah. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Absolutely. Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? It's never complete. <laughs> Gadgets and gizmos are plenty. Okay, where does this newest acquisition go? I think that will go in the drawer, the lock drawer, because this is, could be hmm. dangerous, more so than simply eccentric. Okay. As you uh, move this orb into your locked drawer, you again feel that echo of a foreign 
emotion. It fades as soon as you put the orb into the box, but it's difficult to say. The emotion that it seems to feel is sadness. Well, I don't want to be sad, but you never know when I might need to make someone else feel sad, allegedly. <laughs> you never know. Okay, does Augustus have a ritual for the end of the day? I think Augustus will take some of the less dangerous bobs and ends and just scatter them around the desk, kind of like playing blocks when they were little, into what he hopes to turn the station to once, you know, he's Sun CEO, once they're Sun CEO. Mm -hmm. So like making a little map, or is it just some other type of pattern that they're making? Oh, it's like full-on Lego stuff. We're just stacking them on top of each other. <laughs> I think as Augustus is stacking their thingamabobs and whatsits, the camera pulls out from their domicile out into the sort of dirty streets of this outer layer, even if not the outermost layer, where Augustus makes their home. And we see other chassis going back and forth, making their way through their daily routines, some rolling, some walking, some few hovering. It's a busy place. It's a busy space. There are people everywhere, or at least machines with people inside them. As the camera continues to pull back and pull back, we move our way out through the layers and finally out through the gaping hole in the side of the sun, where, as we know, we can see the station just outside, and we can have a little fade to black and the logo coming soon, Specters of a Broken Sun. Well, thanks for joining me, Velvet. Thank you for having me, Matt. A pleasure as always. It was nice to get to know a little bit about Augustus and their world. And hopefully this sadness orb won't be too much trouble for them. Or maybe it will be. Ooh. All right. So all out there. Well, we got the negative one fa uh, faction status with Colerain PMC. So that's probably a good outcome, like morally speaking. Even if in, in terms of gameplay mechanics, it can be a bit troublesome. And sadness orb. And of course, that cred that was spent. Me either. Good stuff. When we return, the next time we see Augustus will be, I assume, aboard the Probable Cause. Can't wait. All right. If you would like to follow the progress of our show as we make our way into Season 2, you can always follow us on Twitter at BrokenSunRPG. I'm Matt, or ARP. You can find me at Twitter at YCaliber. And uh, I was joined today by the player for Augustus, the incomparable OG Brown Sugar, whom you can find on Twitter at OG Brown Sugar. See you next time, folks. And until then, all the best. Unless we forget the space squids. Space squids until we come up with someone for this season.